Sometimes in evangelicalism, we're, we get the impression that uh, for the Christian, life should always be up and to the right. Uh, but sometimes uh, that's not to be the case. Uh, can we still encounter God in these times of difficulty, pain, and suffering? Uh, listener, I hope that you'll stick with us for our podcast today. We'll be addressing this in some profound ways. Hello, listener. It's great to have you join us uh, on this Encounter podcast today. Uh, I have two friends of mine, Bob and Bev Dirksen, and we're going to talk about some things like what happens when life throws you a curveball uh, that you can't control and you're not sure when it's going to end, if ever. Can you hear from God at this kind of a time? If you're going through these kinds of times, or even if you're preparing for some time when it might happen, this will be a great podcast for you to listen to today. So, Bob and Bev, great to have you here today. And uh, I thought maybe just to orient the listener, um, tell us just a little bit about yourself. So, where, where, where do you come from? Uh, how long you've been in Chilliwack? Just, just give us a, a little, a little bio of yourself. Bob, tell us, tell us about you. Well, I was born and raised in the Chilliwack area. Um, I um, was raised in a family with five kids. I'm the middle kid. Mm. Um, grew up in the church. Um, uh, my father was a longtime deacon elder, mm. so I understood all that. Um, um, I met Bev when I was 17 and started going to Chilliwack Alliance, okay. which was uh, a start of a whole new experience. So, You told me once that when you were young... Uh, and before this church was built on this property that you used to skate when it would freeze here. Is that right? Yeah, I lived around the corner um, on McCaffrey Boulevard, just kind of up the street from where Rob and Teresa Sterling live. Yeah, yeah. And we used to walk to right where the church is sitting was a low spot, and there was a pond here. We could probably have three or four ice rinks Wow! in, this, in the wintertime. Like, it was just one big hole, right? Yeah, so yeah. All, pretty well it ran right across the parking lot across where the church sits all the way to Chillock Central so, <laughs> so you yeah. have you have some history in town yeah, here. yeah I forgot about that yeah 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 now Bev is is it the same kind of story for you very similar <clears throat> I was raised in a Christian family I was the, I am the youngest of five kids and basically lived within a quarter mile radius of where I grew up all my life <laughs> wow. wow. I was born and raised in a Christian home and a very happy home. I loved my family very much. And yeah, so that's sort of what happened in my life. You know, that doesn't happen very often anymore where a person is born and raised in the same place. Right. Right? A unique perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, Bev, tell us, uh, do you have children? Do you? Yeah, so we have four grown and we have uh, 14 wonderful sweet grandchildren who are the delight of our life yeah yeah it's a great time of life eh? <laughs> oh yeah seven girls or seven girls and seven boys yeah wow it's god's perfect number okay. <laughs> yeah so uh you both have alluded to uh growing up in a in a uh christian home mm -hmm. um 
when did you make faith personal to you? How did, how did that happen for you, Bob? Um, I was already 11. You know, I think yeah. I wanted yeah. to accept Christ from when I was five years old on, but I, I never had the opportunity. So, what do you mean? Well, my sisters, I can remember, they were asked if they wanted to accept Christ, and I thought, well, when are they going to ask me? Oh. Right? Oh. And oh. I actually went to an evening service. I think it was an evangelistic service as a family, and they had an altar call, and I thought, I guess this is my, my call. So that was my first encounter. Wow. And then it was followed up by my parents questioning, do you actually know what you're doing? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was confirmed. So that was my, my conversion when I was about 11 years old. When you were about 11. Yeah. Uh, it's been interesting in our podcast, how many have come to Christ around that time? You know, like a bar mitzvah for a Jewish kid is at 12, right? Mm-hmm. It's that time when you yeah. start to personalize. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Bev? So... Um, I, I asked Jesus into my life after hearing an invitation in a Sunday school paper read to me by my mom. And then again as a young teenager, because I had decided that I didn't want to be a Christian and it only lasted a few hours and I, I couldn't live that like, kind of life anymore <laughs> at about 13. Okay, and um, I made a decision that I wanted to follow Christ and I've never looked back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. God's been faithful to you. Yes, he certainly has been. Uh, so you alluded to having been at Chilliwack Alliance Church for some time. So you have a, a window of of history here. Um, and uh, I, I asked you to think a little bit about the past of exciting times in our church. Can you recall for us a time when things were really happening in our church? And, uh, and what was happening? Sure, go for it. Um, well, I started going to this church when I was 17 because mm. there was a draw, you know. Um, Anybody and, I know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there was a young adults class, um, and it was a Sunday school class, and it was taught by Jim Edwards, and it was mm. in the basement of the old new church because there's two churches on the other property. Yeah. Um, he was, that was my first, that was happening. There was there was lots of us couples that were just dating that I can remember that it, we filled that room, wow. you know. Um, he didn't stay long. I think he might have been there only, I can only remember, maybe a year, year and a half. And then Jim Penner came yep. uh, in those years. And he was there, I, I can't remember how many years either, a couple of years maybe. And he continued to um, keep that going. It was young adults. Um, and I don't think Jim was there for our married years. Um, one of the real happening things for us in our early marriage years, and I think that was within the first couple of years of this church, um, a guy by the name of Ron Friesen, he was the music director. Him and Loralee took on the role of um, um, young adults or young couples, actually, I mm-hmm. think it was. Mm-hmm. And they built a community there, like from zero to 50 or 60. There was there yeah. was a ton of us that was yeah. there, 
and uh, that was that was a happening time. Yeah, yeah. We uh, there's still people in our midst today that became Christians during that time. Wow. So, which is pretty cool. It's pretty powerful community sense. Hey, yeah. you're all kind of going through the same things together, yeah. holding hands in faith, kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. That even continued beyond Ron. There was. Uh, I mentioned to Bev when we were looking at this question, I think even Greg Dolman had a piece of that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So then there, there was some other interim guys that, that would have kept it going. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, did you think of anything different, Bev? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I remember the Little White Church. That's where I started out on the college, uh, corner of College and Henderson. Okay. And it was called <laughs> Chilliwack Alliance Tabernacle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I recall, as a little girl, a traveling children's evangelist slash ventriloquist. As a child, that was very exciting. Very exciting times. Name? I do not remember his name, but yeah, it was yeah, sure he fun. came to our church too. Did he? he yeah, uh, it was probably about a week long, I think, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. he came to yours too. Wow, yeah. wasn't he fun? I bought his little book. I still have it. <gasps> wow. How to be a ventriloquist. Oh. I read that book over and over, and I just couldn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good for you. And another thing that that I remember being involved in, too, was the I Found It campaign. And that might have been oh, yeah, yeah. more than just our church. I think it was mm-hmm. a citywide thing. Yeah, I found it. That was a, it was a witnessing tool, Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. signs and bumper stickers mm-hmm. plastered everywhere. I think even little buttons or something. And, and, uh, and then each household received a phone call giving an opportunity to receive Christ. And that was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Heady days. Yeah. And then also um, singing in the choir. We sang in the choir under the direction of Wayne Dick and Terry Bradley Mm -hmm. for a few years. Mm -hmm. And we did some um, sort of presentations of Mm -hmm. some musical things. That was pretty pretty fun. It was really exciting being with um, all sorts of ages of people and just relating and having a great time together. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have asked different ones through, through these podcasts about the Western Canadian Revival in 1972. Uh, did you did you have any experience of that here? Have you experienced a revival? Not as such. I, I, don't, I don't. I know. I've it. listened to some of your podcasts, and yeah. I've been trying to think about. We had a bit of a Jesus movement going going on in town here, but I don't know that I would have. Um, I I remember going to some of their meetings. They weren't this denomination, they were another. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, um, one of the guys is still working in the streets in this town that was involved in that. So that's probably around that Mm -hmm. era, Yeah, you know? I I think for me, my experience of a revival in this church was when Ron Friesen did the young couples Mm -hmm. um, because it just attracted people to get more involved. People mm-hmm. were being bringing their kids to Sunday school, so they stayed, right? Yeah. Which wasn't yeah. the norm. Yeah. You know, the norm was to go back home and finish your coffee or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and there was some good stuff happening yeah. then. So that was the closest thing in my mind in that era, you know, so. Okay, so let me just segue a little bit, Bob, uh, because you and I have worked together for a long time as uh me on a pastoral role, and you as an elder in the church here. Um, as you've ref- reflected on it, and uh, and uh, I'm not sitting on the board now, and neither are you, 
Um, how have you seen God at work as a as a lay elder here in the church? Well, when I kind of reflected on what this question is, you know, I, I, I think during my time on the board, especially early on, um, the leadership team really concentrated on being unified, mm-hmm. really working to be like-minded. Um, we ended up taking uh, some personality courses to figure out what our strengths and weaknesses okay. were, yeah. which were very helpful. We could tolerate that guy across the table because we knew he had no touch with reality, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. then you you understand and they understand you because you might be the one that has all the feelings and it's not all corporate. So I think during my time in the board, most of the guys, as you work with them, we would learn each other's strengths and weaknesses and we would work hard to be unified, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I experienced many miraculous, you know, healings and, and prayer for people when, you know, some guy came down for prayer for the third or fourth time and the fourth time he got it. Yeah. It happened, yeah. right? Yeah. So it, it's... It's pretty miraculous when you're when you're involved in something like that. Um, I think another thing that we did as as a leadership team, um, and I think they're still doing today, is um, we had we chose to support our pastors and work hard to make them let them succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's that's big when it comes to a, a, a leadership team to try to work with the people that you've got and help them with their weaknesses and strengths. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. It was, um, I encourage anybody that is challenged to, to participate in that um, um, capacity to, um, um, to let your guard down and go and be vulnerable and uh, see what God can teach you through that. Okay, there's a good challenge. Yeah. All right, let's talk for uh, just a few minutes uh, about spiritual practices. Bev, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on uh, the whole thought of encountering the Holy Spirit in some fresh way. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the Holy Spirit in your life. When did you, uh, you know, you became a Christian at, 13 or so, mm-hmm. uh, when did you first come to understand sort of the Lordship of Christ and the filling of the Spirit? How did that come about in your life? Well, I think it was a really gradual thing. Um, I can't say I even remember when, when I encountered the Holy Spirit, but it was more as I grew in Christ that I realized that what I was experiencing was the Holy Spirit's work in my life, that He was wooing me to Himself. He's the one who's given me a desire to seek him and desire him. I experienced that the Holy Spirit gives freedom, freedom from myself, getting in the way. As I draw from God's word, he gives it life and makes it relatable to all of life. He has been my counselor. He puts his word in my heart and he reminds me of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> uh, so, Bob, what is the term the filling of the Spirit mean to you? What is that? 
Mm. Understanding and trust that God is in everything. Um, even the things you don't understand, the disappointments, the setbacks. Um, you know, um, I think there's many things throughout the course of our lives that uh, you don't understand why these things happen. But if, if you trust God and rely on, he must have something better in mind for me if this setback is not going to be what it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I, I think of, like, I went right back to, um, you know, God gave me um, the right Christian friends at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in, in the years when I was questioning God, right? Um, he brought me the right girlfriend, wife. Um, he went as far as to, um, I got fired from a job. Okay. You know, like, and that was in early, early years of marriage. And I, you know what, I walked out of that job and I, I actually said, thank you, God, because I never would have quit this job. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those jobs that, um, it, because it was such a good paying job, it probably would have stifled me. Mm-hmm. So that was my springboard into business. Mm-hmm. And I basically got fired in the morning, was working in the afternoon temporarily for somebody till I figured out what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And that was my start in business. So mm-hmm. um, I believe that was the Holy Spirit's way of, of saying, you know, because I, I believe that Bev and I, even then, we trusted God in every move that we made. You know, I was 23 years old when that happened. So... Interesting, because this is this is my next question. I mean, yeah. you know, we always say, uh, "Oh, the I want the Lord to speak to me. I want the Lord to to say something to me." Um, be and, careful uh, what you ask for. It'd be careful what you ask for. Uh, but you're saying you're saying in, in some way the Holy Spirit spoke to you through this circumstance of 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 getting fired yeah. uh, and sort of leading you in that in that way that you would never have done yourself. Probably would have taken a little more prodding. Yeah. Because security is one thing, and then all of a sudden your securities pull out from under you. And okay, now you need to trust in God for the next step. Yeah. Right? Because what my steps weren't working. So now there must be something else that I'm missing. So I think what it did for me, and I've had this happen many times in my life, so it just wakes me up, and I look to him. So You're saying many times that the Holy Spirit will cause things to happen in your life that are for your ultimate good, but you didn't know it at the time? Something that I didn't plan. Okay. Right. Things that I would have not, I wouldn't have planned it that way. Right. Bev, uh, how about you? Like, uh, here's this ethereal question. Like, how does God speak to you? How do you know that, how do you know that God is speaking? Right. I can't even say I remember um, exactly um, how God has told me this, but he tells me things in his, um, in my quiet time, in my thoughts and in my prayers. But I have to be quiet. I have to have just me and God. Also, of course, through his word and through my friends. I have wonderful friends. God has blessed me immensely <laughs> with wonderful mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. and I have 
been blessed with the best sermons ever <laughs> in mm. my life mm. that have brought me along. And but I would say I hear him mostly when I'm quiet, and when I, when he brings back um, wor- his word that I have already had in my heart that I already know, and he brings it back to me, and he he shows me and tells me in my heart and my mind um, how to use this here, how to apply it. So. Because, you know, some could say, oh, in my quiet, it's just my own thoughts. But mm-hmm. you're saying the Spirit recalls Scripture to you. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that part of your devotional life then? Is a, is a time of silence? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's separate from that, I would say, more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, our, the devotion is, is just getting into God's Word and whatnot. But, oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. you do that how often? Uh, devotion? Yeah. Yeah, like every day. Oh, do you? We started a new thing, yeah, okay. since all of this, yeah. So typically, uh, just, you know, as a, as a listener's thinking about this, typically what do you do every day? Like, what are, what is your devotional Well, habit? it's the same every day, mm-hmm. different scripture, but <laughs> we have a routine. <laughs> okay. We make a good drink, like a matcha or a coffee. <laughs> So and you'll do it together? Is this? He makes the matcha. I get everything ready. Because okay. we, we have it together. Okay. Yeah, we do this together. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole new world. Ourselves, but that's because we're retired. Yes. Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't yeah. always happen that way. Yeah. Okay. So this is something this recent. Is this is definitely recent. a new thing for us. It's a year old, a little over a year old. Yeah. What fun. It is wonderful. Yeah, it is good. So okay. okay, so you'll so you'll have uh, you'll have a hot drink together. Yep. You'll you'll read a passage so of scripture. First of all, um, one of us prays just to that we'll enter in and hear God, mm-hmm. and and then we go through a devotion where he's. Well, you were going to say this a little later, but it's a chronological Bible that we have. Okay, and I don't remember what it's called, but Bob will tell you later. And. Um, so we've been, we're almost finished in a year. We're, we're almost finished. We're coming to the very end of it. But we've been reading through the Bible, and there's three different routes, and we've read basically three different ways. Um, it's hard to explain, but anyways, <laughs> that's what we're doing. So he reads, I have a journal, I take notes, and I just, um, so that I remember, and so I listen, <laughs> because my mind wanders. Um, and then after that, we'll pray, and the one that prayed first, then the other one will pray the longer prayer for family and friends and our life and all the things we pray for and thank God. And then, um, yeah, did I get it all? I think that's all we do. How long will you take? Oh, like a good half hour or more even. Probably 45, 45 45 minutes to an hour, depending on if there's anything pressing. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, listener, there's (laughs) something for you to to, uh, think about for, for your own life. Uh, Bob, you you and Bev have been, uh, and you've alluded a little bit to people in your life, you've been part of a care group for a long time, uh, like a group of Christian friends that you study with and all that kind of thing. Um, what? Just comment on the value of a group like that. Well, we've probably been, the core of our group has been together 20 plus years, eh? What it, would it be? Oh, yeah. Probably. Uh, I think Michaela used to be part of the babysitting for the younger people, right? Okay, yeah. So 
I tongue-in-cheek kind of said that it's not really a care group, it's a share group, because everybody loves Mm -hmm. to talk, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we basically, if we do a study, it's got to be a short one, because we'll never get through it, because we don't have time. So I would usually pick something that's maybe a 20-minute clip. We've done a few different authors, and... Um, since COVID, we haven't been able to do a study. Mm-hmm. We've, we, were, we were Zooming every Monday night, as many as would, you know, and it was basically share some stuff and pray together, you know, and it, it was working, you know, and we would get 70%, 60% at yeah. any, any given time. So we started meeting in person on the patio again, so that's that's, that's been pretty cool. So... For the most part, I would say, um, you know, we do life together. We we take their prayer requests seriously. Um, somebody usually jots them down and emails them back and forth to the people that aren't there. And just hold each other up through challenges that families have. Yeah. You know, they've always got somebody that they know. And, and you know, it's not necessarily people that we have hung out with but we do care group together yeah yeah you know um yeah being encircled by godly people right it's a great value to life yeah okay before we get into uh, uh a specific incident in your life um so so you and and uh me and carol have traveled together and uh spent some time at our at our partner church in Quebec, which was fantastic. We won't get into that today, but we have gone to Israel together. And uh, and you're aware I'm taking another group this coming May. Uh, and uh, so uh, just because uh, they're going to be listening to this podcast, tell, mm-hmm. tell, tell them uh, just quickly, how did you encounter God in that two weeks of hiking through the Holy Land? Bev, anything? I mean, we were constantly encountering God, just thinking that um, that we were where all these things happened, that God, that Jesus was there, walking there, and that uh, we went to the Mount of Olives. It was amazing to think that, and we viewed the Jerusalem. Um, it was, I don't know what to say. It's it was just amazing the whole time, just knowing that that. Um, and actually thinking about it when I got home was was so neat because when I would read the Bible, it was yeah. so much more meaningful. Yeah. It meant so much more learning the Eastern culture, knowing that it is not, we don't think Western, we think Eastern. And that's a whole different way of thinking. It's hard to wrap your brain around that, but you, but you start to learn that. Mm-hmm. And so it just made the Bible way more alive. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Bob, anything from you? Yeah, I, one of the really neat things was uh, um, when David um, took out Goliath and we actually went through the creek where he picked up the stones and, and yeah. climbed the hill where he would have taken them out. And, and it's uh, when you see stuff like that in real, it's like it just makes when you read the Bible so much more alive. You know, and and the whole time we were there, um, the guy that was leading us, he were he was our shepherd, and we were his sheep. And I can remember getting on the tour bus in the morning, and he we had no idea where we were going. 
and we were like half hour from our stop and we didn't even know how long a hike we were going on and he says time time to hydro up guys you know like mm -hmm. start drinking because you're going to need it today so you think okay where is he taking us mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. we ended up in the wadi we ended up in the field and then he had a shepherd bring some sheep so we we could relate now we're following our shepherd and we're just a bunch of dumb sheep and and <laughs> it, it was pretty entertaining you know <laughs> Having been there before is very entertaining watching you not knowing where you're going. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it's, you know what? I, I'd be tempted to do it again, you know, because it was such a good experience. Yeah. I've encouraged people now to get in on this because we don't know how long we're going to be even able to do this, mm -hmm. right? It's true. And I'm hoping they can when you want to go. So I've encouraged a few people to yeah. get on board. This has been a non-paid advertisement, but a yeah. great one for Israel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now let's move on to uh, a, a significant incident in your life uh, that happened to you uh, a while ago. And it was, uh, uh, Bev, you had an accident. And um, I want to explore this a little bit. Uh, so, so you and Bob are active people. You're runners. I mean, in Israel, it was no big deal for you to hike and uh, you're... You ride motorcycles and you you cycle as well, uh, and and you had an accident. Tell us, Bev, what actually happened there? Um, yeah, just kind of describe that accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was April fifteenth last year, and it was at Cultus Lake. We were riding our road bikes and we were coming home. We were um, headed towards the sun. Bicycles. Bicycles, yeah. not not road motorcycles. Bicycles. Yeah, cycles. <laughs> cycles. Yeah. 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 And uh, so the sun was in my eyes, and um, and so there was a big kind of rock that I didn't see, and so I didn't have time to do anything except let what happened happen, right? And so it catapulted me into the air. I fell back on my head and my left side and broke my clavicle slash collarbone and crushed my elbow. and. Um, it's amazing what thoughts go through your mind in a fraction like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just thought, oh God, what, what do you, what's happening? It wasn't even, I don't even feel like I was too panicked. I was like, what are you doing in my life, God? What's gonna happen? Like yeah. what, what work do you want me to do here, right? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And so I off in the ambulance to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what happened. And, and really that ended up affecting you for a long time because mm -hmm. yeah. it wasn't just the broken bones that's right but it was it was landing on your head yeah that's right yeah um so it ended up it ended up that you had to basically sit for months in the dark yeah well i didn't actually have to sit in the dark thank the lord for that i just had to um basically yeah, it was it was a concussion. It was diagnosed as a concussion that was different than it was. It was more. It gave me uh, fear and anxiety, and um, and that was that was something so new to me. I I don't have fear, and I don't. I'm not anxious. I'm, you know, that was just mm -hmm. like how is this happening? Mm -hmm. And it was very severe. Mm -hmm. um, I was just so full of fear. Um, I. I couldn't have like any sounds in the house. I couldn't hear the TV at all. Um, 
it was just overwhelming to hear any news. Nobody could talk about COVID or anything in my presence. And it was only I just desired and craved God. I just had to have his word, like read to me like several times in the daytime. We, we just, Bob read, I didn't read at all. He read to me so much. Um, I'm just looking for what I wrote down just to help me a little. Um, so um, he read books about fear and about handling anxiety and about characters in the Bible who went through so much and so many challenges and that encouraged me. And there was a lot of scripture that I just took and held on for myself. I would, I, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine texted me a verse and, uh, and uh, sometimes a song and just encouraging words from her every day for six months. And I would, and I would write those, some of those um, verses out and just have them on the wall beside me and ones that we read that were special. Mm -hmm. And I would repeat them like almost all day, all the time, because I, I was anxious. I needed, I needed this soothing of God's word. It mm -hmm. soothed me, it just mm -hmm. calmed me, and it just filled me and helped me so much. I just wanted nothing else for months. Um, and oh boy, did Bob do a lot of reading. <laughs> wow. We were we, we really enjoyed it together. It was such a close together time going through God's Word together and getting so many more things out of it than so many things we noticed that we never noticed before. We, we went through, we, we had a lot of conversation because I didn't want anyone else around. It was just too hard to be around other people. And we just went through our life and just things that we'd been through. I asked him questions. He asked me questions like about just stuff. You just, what was your mom really like? What was your dad like? Mm -hmm. What was, you know, what, your grandpa, your, when you were there, what did you do? You know, just all sorts of questions. And we just talked and talked and talked. And it was soothing and healing for me. But the anxiety and fear still didn't stop. <laughs> it yeah, just helped yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it actually got worse. It got from fear and anxiety to sounds big time. I, I, there was times where, when I couldn't even find a place that was quiet. I heard every sound, a dripping or a furnace mm -hmm, noise mm -hmm. or anything I could. It, so I got medication for that pretty quick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, so... Um, what a time. Mm -hmm. Like, so you guys were already in a time of change, Bob. You were yeah. you were moving into retirement, and and then you were building your uh, a new house, mm -hmm. and so you were living in a rental house, um, and and now all of a sudden you're you're having to adopt different roles because Bev, you're you're outgoing and chatty, and all of a sudden now you can't do that, and and uh, so so Bob, what did you find? hard and easy about this sudden change interjected into your life? Well, as um, you've kind of semi-retired, so there's always a little bit of um, unknown, right? You kind of want to, what, what are we going to do next, eh? You know, what will mm -hmm. God will bring us next? So um, we managed to travel for a short period and we got called home early for COVID. 
And her accident happened nine days after we returned home. So I say, always say, I was retired for nine days. <laughs> and then I became a, a caregiver of my wife, right? So um, was it hard, you know, um, isolating during COVID? That wasn't hard. No, right? everybody we, had to. And you know what? Nobody could come in. Like, mm -hmm. people would come to the door and drop stuff off, but no, she couldn't handle, if she w was able to see somebody, she would come to the door. Mm -hmm. If she wasn't, nobody was, nobody, well, because of COVID, everybody was scared to come in, you know, but it was actually, it worked in our favor because she, yeah. was, she wasn't able to. Yeah. Um, you know, that was the hard part, like, mm -hmm. but that really wasn't hard, like, I, I didn't find that hard. Um, um, one of the reasons it w probably wasn't hard is is we had done all our homework, like in building this project. Um, we had hired uh, a designer to help us. All the decisions were made. All and the builder was was our our son-in-law, Justin, who he knew what to do. Mm -hmm. And I had mm -hmm. told him right in the beginning that I wasn't going to be there to help him because this was his baby. And I purposely stepped aside. So there was really nothing for me to do. So um, I, when I think of, was it surprising? You know, what did you find surprisingly easy? Well, you know what? I don't remember ever being a caregiver to my wife no. other than during and uh, after childbirth. I, would, I'd, I was a transport truck driver when she was having most of our kids. I think, other than Michaela, I was probably home on the, well, no, I was probably still, but I might've been home more. So I used to take two weeks off when we'd, when we'd have a child and I'd try to plan it that I would be home for the birth and for when the baby came home. And I used to polish the sinks and do all that kind of stuff while we were at home, right? So. For me to be a caregiver, that was sort of a new role, right? Mm -hmm. um, but guys that would that I was frequent, you know, they they come and do uh, the doorstep visit, and aren't you going crazy in there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, actually, you know what? There's no place I'd rather be. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is where this is where I, you know, this is where I want to be, you know, because. I'm going to be here to, you know, in whatever it takes, right? I think it's interesting that one of the big ways you say the Holy Spirit guides you is he, he affects change in your life that you wouldn't have planned yourself. Exactly, yeah. And it's interesting that you're nine days retired. You say, yeah. what am I going to do now? Yeah. And, now you, and now you are now a caregiver. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, it wasn't nine days before, it was nine days after. Right. Wow. Right. Uh, so Bev, you're in a time of pain. I mean, you're, you're trying to heal up. You're in a time of pain, you're in a time of loss. You're a capable uh, person. What did you learn about pain and what did you learn about loss during that time? Well, First uh, Peter 2.21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. This verse and many more spoke to me. I knew that suffering is okay and that I had to be okay with it. Then I also read that we can have joy in suffering, not because it hurts, but because God is that good to us. 
As I suffered, I prayed, and we prayed. I knew that he was my true hope. His words gave me new strength. That's what I had. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had to be, have joy in it. I, I just, and he gave me joy in, in the middle of it. I could say, as I suffered, like when it was the worst, I, I just had to have joy in it. And he gave me even a peace in that. Because I knew he was with me. I knew he knew what was going on. And he didn't let, let this happen for, for no reason, right? Wow. So, yeah. That's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's, you always wonder, as a Christian who goes along in your Christian life, what if something really bad ever happened? What would happen to me? How would I, how would I manage it? And you find through this time that God is there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so how did you, maybe Bob, I'll ask you, uh, how did you handle the uncertainty of this whole thing? Because you didn't know if Bev is going to get better. You don't know to what degree she's going to recover. How, how did you handle that? What, what did that do to you? You know, we were into this probably six weeks to two months. And, you know, they say there's a thousand ways that head, head injuries end up, right? And any anybody that we talked to, right down to her, she had a concussion specialist who is a, a chiropractor who actually works on sports people. So we hadn't happened to have an end to get into him to make sure that there isn't anything because when you have a fall it's more than your head it goes all the way down your spine and everything else so he basically she only needed two treatments she wasn't there wasn't anything visibly wrong in those areas which was encouraging right so but even even guys him and the surgeon who worked on her arm was also a guy that had they all everybody's had experience with concussions and they basically told us that there's no set nothing set here like the typical concussion bev didn't have it wasn't something they diagnosed the night of the accident it took them three or four days later and they thought this isn't a reaction to pain. Your stomach's upset. You got all kinds of stuff going on. This is this is something else. And they, they did flag it as concussion, even though they didn't have any evidence of a brain bleed. So when you think of the uncertainty of that, uh, you know, you we bumped along for, you know, our, our GP, who's been our doctor and friend for 40 years probably, you know, um, he would call us at home, so how's it going? And he'd just go, oh, man, he'd just be at a loss, right? So um, he helped us many times. I'd call him late at night and say, what about this? Med- I don't think this medication's right. So he'd make the call, you know, that, no, we're not doing that. We'll figure something else out. So, you know, when when you're at the end of three months, and they all figured, oh, at the end of three months, if you should be you should be seeing some improvement, and and you don't, and then you think, well, okay, maybe this could be a new normal, right? So um, so the uncertainty was challenging, but, you know, I th- think 
as we reminisce together during that time, we really didn't have any regrets, you know. Um, everybody learns to adapt to what they're dealt. And, and uh, um, we never quit praying for divine healing, but I think we were preparing ourselves for whatever it might be, you know. Um, this wasn't the worst thing, you know. Um, I think God showed us how to meet each other's needs, even in in this kind of weakness, right? So um, we um, we learned to, um, you know, we spent lots of time reading, and um, we felt um, God's calm in the in in this situation, and we we trusted that it was in God's hands, you know, so. Isn't it interesting how in this kind of a intrusion into your life, which is a life experience, uh, not only does it really change how you relate to each other and the roles you feel, but also spirituality is woven into this whole thing. It's, it's quite the blend. Uh, Bev, I, you know, I, I thought about our time together. I thought about Paul's thorn, mm-hmm. you know, where he said, uh, you know, he, he prayed that the Lord would take away this thorn in his mm-hmm. life, whatever that was, and mm-hmm. and uh, and it was something that made him weak. And and the Lord said to him, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Um, can you relate to this? Because uh, you you you've been pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Do you relate to Paul in this? Yes. Yeah, and that was probably part of my fear too at that point, um, that that thorn would last. <laughs> yes, and be permanent. <laughs> yes, um, and that's why I had to trust God. I just, I had to, or it was like do or die. That's mm-hmm. what I felt like. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to do. And and His word is so clear. Oh, oh, to tr- why wouldn't I? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how yeah. you've really spent a lifetime uh, in the scriptures, mm-hmm. and you know how this, you said earlier how the Spirit will bring back thoughts to you in your time of quiet, and and really I see this I see this river of uh, investment in time with God paying off at a terrible time such as you've been through. Uh, did you find? Did you find any uh, spiritual habits that uh, assumed new importance, or did you find some aspects of your spiritual life, did it sort of fall away? Did What changed, if anything, in your spiritual experience and habits during this time? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely the habit of, of our devotion together, like, can't live without it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. I guess I, I felt like, oh, I'm just, my life is going to change so much. I'm going to be a different person. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of fearful that um, that I'd go back to my old habits and my old ways and, you know. Yeah. And I struggle with them because I don't, I don't want to be like I was before. Um, but I, I just I put my hand back in God's when I, feel like, hey, 
<laughs> quit doing that. I taught you already. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, I mean, you know, we all have our, our struggles and, and stuff. And that was, I remember those words were from Matt uh, um, because I actually came to the church, to the elders to be prayed for, right? And anointed with oil. And, um, and that was the last thing that Matt said to me on the way out because I said, I don't want to lose what I've got in Christ. I love this. This is, this is wonderful being so close to God and just like, he just flows out of me. And he said, yeah, just when you feel your hand coming out, just put it back in. And so that's kind of what, what I've been working on. Are you, yeah. are you back to 100%? Well, only with a pill or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, I still need my, I tried to go off. Uh, gradually, mm-hmm. and I, I realized I still need it. So, yeah. so I'm not quite a hundred percent, but so you're still weak. Yeah, somewhat. Wow, a little bit. You not know, too bad. You know, if you could always be reliant on the Lord, if you yeah. could sort of learn that lesson. Yes, hey, absolutely. When I'm weak, then He's strong. Yeah. That's what He said to Paul. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I do still when I get those feelings that I had, it's never near as bad. Never mm-hmm. ever. But every now and then I'll, I'll get those tinge of feelings. And I I taught myself through his Holy Spirit, he taught mm-hmm. me, to always say thank you. I, I forget sometimes and I, I'm a little bit worried, I'm a little anxious. And then I'll just say thank you, God. Thank you for this. Because because now I'm calling on you, right? Yeah. So he brought me to that point to call on him because I need him desperately. Yeah. And so then, yeah, it's just so much better. <laughs> It's quite a life lesson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe just one more question here, Bob. Um, so, so as I mentioned, you know, you're capable people, you're outgoing people, all that kind of thing. And you have typically been the helper to people instead of being the needy one. And now all of a sudden, you're the needy one. What, what was that like, Bob, for you two, uh, as a couple, become needy rather than to be the helpers. Was that easy to as- to assume that role or no? For me to be the helper? Well, I owed her big time, you know. But I'm thinking as a couple. As, as a couple. Relying on other, others yeah. for help. Because <clears throat> you're, you know, you're a business guy. You're a take charge kind of a guy. Yeah. You're the guy who makes things happen. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you can't. You know, it's back to, I was nine days retired. I, I really, I didn't have anybody to direct. And it was like, I only had the one building project on the go. Um, I had nobody else that relied on anything. So it was like, I was set up to help, but, and I'm not sure if you mean, we had some like our church family. We had people that barely knew us that would, because of COVID, there would just be a bag of whatever on the step and it would be a meal or whatever. And it was random. It, it would show up. And we had lots of encouragement from well-meaning people that, that knew us. Yeah. Right. So, um, interestingly enough, trauma, um, we lived in a neighborhood, and uh, we thought we'd live there a year. We lived there for two. That was the rental place. Rental place. Yeah, yeah. And we knew a couple of the neighbors, you know, and but not well, you know, because we're renters. 
right? And we're mm-hmm. not in a rental neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, I brought Bev a chair, a new chair home, and um, I can't carry this thing in by myself. Okay. Well, here's the neighbor right next door that nobody really knows, right? And uh, so I said, I just yelled over at him, and I says, hey, you got a couple of hands? Want to help me? You know, and then he, he got to see her, and he thought, oh, what happened here? You know, and it's like we were there for another six months. Well, I got to know this guy pretty well, and nobody else in the neighborhood knew him. Mm. And he was mm. a two-years-keep-to-yourself kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And the other two or three neighbors that we knew, maybe four, they knew what was going on, and this is trauma and COVID, and they wanted to help where, however they could, wow. right? So yeah. that was that kind of opened up a door for people that they really didn't feel like they, we're just here for a short time. They knew we're building a house and we're not staying, so like we don't need to get to know them, yeah. Yeah. right? So we experienced some great things from people and, and uh, you know, I, I, is it humbling? In a way it is, and in a way it's not. It's, it's where I'm, 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 I'm amazed at the good of people. Yeah. The people that really want to pitch in yeah. when they realize that this would really help. Because I know that he's a farmer, he's not a cook. I can wash the bottles and polish the sinks, but some of my meals might be a, a little bit, uh, you know, need help. Yeah, I could smell smoke from my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm getting better, though. <laughs> I'm sure you are. It's it's an amazing thing uh, to see. And here you, you had with neighbors, but also with um, the church family, just to sort of see it in action when you're in need. It's a, it's a especially when you've not been a receiver very much. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you are. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wind up our time here. Um, I just thought, uh, I don't know if there's, if there have been any resources uh, that were valuable to you during this time, maybe um, uh, maybe things you read or heard uh, that you could commend to the listener. Uh, so I'll just open that up if you have anything that is valuable to you. Yeah. So, sure. So, so um, one of the books we read was from um, Pastor Jim Penner and his wife Linda. Um, many of you know them. And it's called Trusting God When Life Hurts. And that was a meaningful book to us. It was it was just going through life and how they dealt with it. And so it was nice to read about somebody, how they dealt with their challenges and how they did it together. And I would recommend that book to anybody that's facing something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jim is one of the guys who was involved when you guys yes, were he's, young. he's a good friend. Yeah, yeah wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, good. Good. Anything else? There was another little book that um, somebody in our care group gave us, and we pr- probably not even for this time. It was something that we had on the shelf. Was it for this time? Okay, for this time. Um, it was written by Ron Mel, 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 M E H L, and it's a prayer that moves heaven. A prayer that moves heaven, and it was a just a little book, and we probably read it two or three times and I passed it on to a friend of mine that was moving out of out of town just to bless them you know and, and it was I'd have actually or found another one on Amazon because you can't I couldn't find it anywhere um, and I, I've ordered it because it reminded me when we were doing this you know so 
And another thing that I would mention is um, we bought this Wayfinder Bible. It's called the Wayfinder. And mm. it's a New Living Translation, so it's an easy read. And it has three ro- three routes to read it through the Bible. So if mm. I'm, I'm not... Um, um, I don't really like to read, although I'm, I've been <laughs> reading a lot, right? So yep. I'm learning to like it more. So the first route is, it's called the flyover, and it takes you through the Bible chronologically, and it keeps your attention right to the end. Whereas I think if you read the Bible cover to cover, for somebody that doesn't read a lot, that's, that's a hard thing. So the second route, it's called the direct route, and it will just, sometimes you're reading through the same thing again, but now it's giving you a little more meat, right? And, and it, you can still get through it fairly quickly, and it keeps your attention. So we are now going through the scenic route, which gives you, instead of 15 or 20 verses, you'll get a chapter or two, you know, at a time. In, in these stops, right? So, um, just a just a good find, you know. So, um, we're not sure. We're gonna have to figure something else out because we're almost done, yeah. right? Yeah. And and it's been a, in a good thing. So, another another thing I would mention, and this is prior to the accident, is is Neil T. Anderson. I had him email me a devotional for many years, and I, I just. I don't even know if it was back in the years when I was in the truck, I would listen to him. And I got him, I would get his devotional emailed to me every morning. And it's, it was always something that was doable. And there would, every day there would be a piece of scripture that was, that would kind of stick. And I, and that was, that was helpful for me. So. Good. Thank you. I will, uh, uh, listener, I will have that on my blog. Uh, in a couple of days. And so uh, if you didn't get to write it down, you can get it there. Thank you very much. So uh, one final question before we close our time. Uh, As you think about the listener today, uh, you've had this uh, amazing experience in the last year. What would you say to the person who is listening in that is in a time of long-term weakness? What do you have to say to them? I say get down on your knees. Call on God. And don't think of your life as long-term. Think of it as one day at a time. We don't know what the next day is going to bring, or hour. And, yeah, be ready to see what great and mighty things God will do for you. Yeah, just hang in there. Have joy in your weakness. Okay. Um, claim it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> he said it, yeah. Thank you. Anything else, Bob? Um... Look to God and his word for strength to get through every day. Always choose him. There's a quote from, from a guy that I heard just recently. It says, the most spiritual thing you can ever do is to choose. And that's Erwin McManus, uh, Mosaic Church. And I just think so much of our life are the choices we make. So... I can't imagine. I have some people that I know fairly close that are in long suffering. Like, and uh, I know my one good friend. It's 
he chooses every morning. All right. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's been great to spend a little bit of time with you today, Bob and Bev, and uh, with you, the listener, as well. Uh, sometimes uh, life throws us a curveball, and and uh, it's something we can't control. Uh, and how fantastic then to be in relationship with the one who knows and controls it all. Thanks very much.